Hello and welcome to another episode of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Auld. On this week's episode of the podcast, we're speaking to another member of the 2015 Scottish Cup winning Cali Thistle side, Josh Meekings, who had a pivotal role to play in that silverware clinching season for the Inverness side. Of course, he was at the centre of one of the biggest refereeing decisions in the last decade in Scottish football. He joined Cali Thistle back in 2011, then as a, as a teenager, really, as a kid, but he left a man with a Scottish Cup winner's medal in his back pocket and also was part of a really, really successful back four for Cali Thistle over the years. He then went on to play for Dundee and up until last season, the Covid hit season of course as we all know in the 1920 season was a Dundee player. Injuries have plagued him over the last couple of years but I'm delighted to say that he's back in football and back down in his uh, native England as well, back down with his family and enjoying life and enjoying football as well. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one so sit back and enjoy the next hour and 20 minutes in the company of Josh Meekings. Delighted to welcome on to the podcast now another Scottish Cup winner with Cali Thistle, Josh Meekings. Josh, good to chat to you. How are you? Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me on, Ian. It's, um, I'm, I'm brilliant, thank you. I'm getting on okay. So, how, how about you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm, I'm very good. This, uh, this, this lockdown three, as we're calling it now, is <laughs> two. I've lost, I've lost count. It's a rubbish. Um, sequel to the to last year's one but it's nearly at an end how have you been over the the last couple of months um obviously you know you're back playing now which is which is good how have the how's lockdown been how lockdown life if you like been like for yourself yeah it's um, it's it's been tough i mean i know that it's probably i'm the same as anybody it's been tough for everybody mentally hasn't it um you want to do things and you can't and certain rules obviously we have to abide by so um yeah you just try and keep yourself busy it's allowed me to have um a bit more time with with my daughter ruby and um my fiance and stuff and obviously with being back home um i get to see my family a lot more and um with mum and dad and my brother that you know i haven't seen regularly for well obviously the past 10 years when i've been in scotland so um it's nice to have that sort of opportunity to spend time with them i've had time to sort of reassess everything um I'd made a decision last summer to come down um I know that you know it's not great timing in terms of what's been going on and how it went about but it was just it was it was a decision that I had to make for personal reasons and I'm I'm glad that I'd done it so yeah it's it's been difficult but it's also been it's also been okay for me I mean I've, I've got to spend again Christmas and New Year with my family for the first time in 10 years as I say so things like that are pretty nice yeah, well, the biggest thing I'll take away from lockdown is you're right, spending that time with uh, with family. I mean, I mean, I've spent you know so many days just me, me and the kids and what have you, and it's it has been brilliant. It's had its challenges, but it's been brilliant. But even the the Christmas thing there you mentioned, you know, spending time with your family at Christmas because, well, probably since you were and we're going to go back and look over your career as well. Probably since you were a a teenager, you've not really had that 
that um, that experience with your your family at Christmas because you professional footballer you're you're always playing you're always involved and, and got games around that kind of time which is you know a sacred time for a family yeah of course I mean that, that was always kind of the period um, that I perhaps found it slightly difficult being away um, certainly helps obviously um, the last few years when I met my fiance and obviously we've had we've had Ruby since then as well that that makes it easier um, but to begin with you know, as you say, when I was first up the road uh, at 18, 19 years old and it's your first Christmas, you're kind of thinking, what what do I do here? So, um, no, it's obviously it's that's that's the times that you want to be spending with your family. And um, I'm grateful that I've been able to do that this year. So, Josh, 10 years since you made the move to Inverness 2011 when Cali Thistle uh, signed you or you moved to Cali Thistle. Um, you were at Ipswich Town as a, as a youngster, released by the club as a teenager in 2011. Talk to us about, because I'm very interested to find out how, you know, transfers come around, uh, come around because there was a few clubs interested in you down south. But I'm assuming that a former Ipswich Town legend was a, a, a big factor in deciding to, to uproot and, and move all the way to Inverness. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's no secret, you know, about um, Terry Butcher and Ipswich and England and the history behind himself and them them teams. So um, he was clearly a massive part. And as you said, there was a bit of interest uh, before this happened or before the move happened. Um, I'd had some interest from Stevenage, and I'd been there training. Um, actually, got offered a contract, but then for for some unknown reason, it ended up falling apart. So I went back to Ipswich again, where they were really helpful, actually. And um, I had a coach, my under-18s coach was Russell Osman, who was good friends with with Terry. And um, he spoke to him. And apparently that this had been beforehand, but they didn't tell me this. Terry had already been on the phone to Russell saying, like, do you have anything? And Russell had told him about myself. And he said, send him up, would be really interested. Now, obviously, went to Stevenage first, but he was still there again when the thing with Stevenage fell through. So um, that's how that connection came about. And as soon as I heard that it was him, and it was, you know, it didn't. It just, I obviously, I'm not going to lie. I had no idea where Inverness was when I was first told about it. But it was, it was an opportunity. It was my dream to become a footballer, and um, Terry Butcher was the man to be able to provide that. If I if I took it when I went up the road, so thankfully you know I managed to, and after that has been well, the rest is history. After that, isn't it? So you know, knowing the kind of character Terry Butcher is, you know, he, he looked after you a bit like a father figure. I'm, you know, travelling away from home is one thing, or moving away from home, but moving that far away as well. You've already kind of you know mentioned you know family's a big part of your life, um, moving that far away from home, but having Terry Butcher as that kind of figurehead in your life, that must have been reassuring. Absolutely. If there was one thing that he was really good at, it was man management. And it was, he made it so easy. I've actually got a story. Um, I first arrived at the club. Uh, I'd gone in. Uh, John Doc picked me up from the airport and he took me in and we had a look and just sort of just got me settled in and said, look, this is where the stadium is. And um I ended up getting introduced to the players and stuff. And then later on that day, um, they tried to sort me out somewhere to stay. Um, I'm not sure where exactly, but then something happened and 
it ended up that this place wasn't available anymore. And Terry Butcher actually come for her and he just said, look, Josh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, we'll, we'll sort it out. And he went away and he come back and he just said, you know what? He said, one of my old managers, I can't remember who he said at the time. Um, it was some, I can't, it was, I can't, it was someone really big as well. But he said to me, you can come and stay at mine for the night. And then we'll bring you in and we'll sort out 100% the accommodation for the rest of your time here and get you put in digs properly. Because obviously as a young boy, I was moving away from home. I didn't know how to cook. I was just all these sorts of things were running through my mind. And he just put me at ease. He just said, we'll take you in. He drove me all the way to his house. Um, I stayed there for the night with him and his wife. And then the next day he drove me into training. We had like obviously just conversations on the on the way in the car and on the way back. And it was just it just made me feel that bit more at ease that you've got a manager that's that willing, you know, on, on day one to sort of care about his players like that. And he obviously knew that I was a kid um, at that stage and it was massive. It was a massive, massive move for me. Um, I didn't know where Inverness was in terms of, you know, Scotland itself. And, but I knew that it was a journey away and um, yeah, it was hard to, to leave. Um, but once I'd done it and then like I say him with him doing that, that just shows, you know, the man himself. And uh, I've got, you know, a lot to pay him forth with, you know, in terms of what he's given me for a platform to go move forward in my career from that stage. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is it Rita is his wife's name? I think. Yes. Yes. Rita and Terry. Um, Surely she rustled you up something nice for for breakfast in the morning. Then, if you were <laughs> you were staying, there. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but yeah, it was it was good. And um, he he's obviously he, he had a nice place out out the way um, in the sticks where he liked it, and he could he could stay and walk his dog. And um, we went, and uh, first thing I saw was he had this big massive cabinet in the living room or in a room in there, and it had all of his England caps and stuff. And I just thought, wow, like just incredible it was like glass on the top so you could see in and yeah it just made me feel really comfortable and from that from that point onwards it was still tough I'm you know I'm not denying that I was still I still got homesick I had to ring home a few times after that in the coming months but um knowing that I had a manager that was that sort of or caring I guess is the word it made it that bit easier and um obviously he had his moments you know he's got that temperament and you know that but I, I don't mind that as a, I didn't mind that as a player, and you know, I was, it was it was easy for me to to sort of settle in after that. In terms of the the manager helping you settle in, what about the the players as well? Because um, again, we spoke to Greg Tanzi a couple of weeks ago, who joined the same uh, round about the same time as you as well that season. Anyway, um, who kind of who were the, the the players in the in the changing room? Obviously, Richie Forum as a captain that helped you kind of settle in, and who did you kind of team up with early on and, and, and kind of form friendships with? Well, given the age, it was obviously um, Graham Shinney I, I spoke to from the very beginning um, and sort of got comfortable and um, he'd, he'd just make it make it easy for me to go in and speak to me and stuff. As a young boy, I was obviously very nervous and uh, there was Richie was honestly a fantastic captain, really, really good and it just... He just made everybody, I think everybody that's gone to the club felt the same way about him and how he, he sort of managed the dressing room. Um, and I think he took the pressure off Terry and Morris at the time, having to sort of deal with things because he would do it in-house. And then you had obviously Tokes and there was, I think, uh, Johnny Tuffy was there as well. And I'd speak to him quite a bit. And it was just, 
to be fair, Ryan Esser, there's loads of them. There, there was a really experienced bunch in there and it just made it easy for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just felt straight away, I knew it was going to be hard work. I knew it was going to be different, but I was ready to accept that challenge. And there was a good group in there that made me feel feel comfortable. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were were you injured towards the the, the kind of start of that season, or <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare. I, we went down, I think, uh, to Bath, mm-hmm. and it was uh, obviously our first preseason. Preseason was tough, really tough, which it always was with Terry and Morris. Especially, Mo used to just say, "Get the poles out, run them," and um, it was just his way. And it was good. It was good fun, but it was it was really hard. And uh, we went down to Bath. And I unfortunately got injured in a game against Yeovil. Uh, I rolled my ankle and it was quite a bad injury. I think it put me out for two to three months. It was quite a bad... I can't remember exactly what I did. It was something to the ligaments. Um, so, yeah, I ended up having that as my start. And I thought, oh, no. And then I had John McCready working with me and trying to help me get back as quickly as possible. Um, and, I, you know, I had no sort of idea what was coming and I knew how hard it was going to be for me to get myself into the team but I was ready for that challenge and then you know thankfully in the end I think I made my debut against Dunfermline um, coming on as a sub um, but yeah it was it was a hard start especially with with getting injured like that at the start as well it, it made it tough but I just sort of stuck in there um, as I said I had some phone calls home spoke to my parents a few times wasn't very happy in terms of feeling they just said, look, you've you've dreamed of this since you were a kid and you've got a big opportunity here. So try your best to take it. And thankfully, then conversations helped and, you know, everything else sort of took care of itself after that. Yeah, you're right. You're made, you make your debut against Dunfermline. You come on as a sub for Thomas uh, Piermeyer and then you make your first start soon after against uh, Motherwell at home. What what's your early memories then of of getting into the first team and and playing in those games? Because you mentioned there it's your dream to to make it as a you know professional footballer. Um, what are your kind of early memories of of those? Well, not just those games against Dunfermline and Motherwell, big moment as you making your debut, but also that that kind of first part of that uh, professional uh, season for yourself. What are your what are your memories of that? I just I remember it being really really tough. I thought it was very difficult. Obviously. You know, there were. I was playing with men now. I was the captain of the under 18s at Ipswich, but it was completely different. And I hadn't had that sort of day in day out training with with the men. And um, yeah, it was it was hard, but it was like I said, it was a challenge that I was ready for, and I was really enjoying it every single day. I knew it was going to be hard work, but it was something like I said that I've always wanted to do. And um, it just it just got made easier by your sort of teammates and stuff and you start to build relationships with people. Like I said, as as time went on, me and Graham Shinney got a lot closer and then, you know, you just sort of build friendships and everything like that sort of takes care of itself. So then once it comes to the football, I was obviously very nervous at the start, but I remember Terry Butcher was taking me in and I, I'd went there, you know, well, I'd played right back before and I was playing sort of centre-back and right back at Ipswich as a kid. And he he helped me out, you know. He put me on. He put me at right back for the start. I think that he felt that you know the physicality of the game would be difficult for a 19 year old at that time coming in at centre half straight in to a team that was you know we weren't we weren't half high flying. We were we were struggling near the bottom um, and just trying to avoid relegation really in them seasons. So it was um, 
it was tough, but it, I I really enjoyed it. So yeah, and it, it just it helped me become a man basically. I think, and I think I've grown, and I did grow up a lot quicker than I maybe might have done if I'd have stayed here. So you know, you have to you have to adapt, and I'm really happy with the route that I took, and uh, I would never look back on it and regret it at all. I'm looking at that season, and I, you say, well, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. It was a bit of a struggle. The, the side did finish tenth, I think. Uh, Dunfermline and Hibbs battled out for the relegation spots. Cali Thistle always seemed to pick up the odd result, which kind of made them safely away from that kind of drop zone. But there were, you know, some some big games that season as well. Some memorable kind of moments. Uh, I remember a six three win at Kilmarnock that <laughs> yeah. season. Um, I mean, incredible stuff. I mean, uh, one of the, the things that stick out for me, I don't know if you were on the, really should have checked this out, I don't know if you were on the pitch when Richie and, and Johnny had the, the set to at East End Park as well. Uh, in this, I think it was a Scottish Cup replay. I think I might have been on the bench in that, but I do remember it. <laughs> Just, it was something, like, that's what I mean though about playing, you were playing with men now and you were playing with people that it's their job, it's their passion and that was all sort of coming out on the pitch. But that was the sort of thing that, you know, as you can probably imagine, Terry didn't mind that at all. Yes, it, you know, perhaps doesn't look great, but it shows that passion inside the whole of the dressing room and the team. And I think that was what he wanted. He wanted boys that were fighting for the right reasons. And they weren't fighting because it was a, you know, I don't know, because they hated each other. It was because of wanting to win and wanting to do things properly. So, um, yeah, he, he, he thrived on that sort of thing. Now, that season... Finished tenth. The the season after, I mean, again, it was a quite an incredible season. A lot of big performances, big results, and the side made the top six for the first time. Now, interestingly, I remember the first game of that season. It was away to St Mirren, and I actually had to kind of refresh my memory because you started that season um, by making appearances from the bench. So the, the back four that for the first couple of games that season was. Gary Warren, Simon King, David Raven, and Graham Shinney. You were making the the kind of uh, odd appearance for um, as, as a sub for David Raven. Then, kind of four games into the season, unfortunately for Simon King, he suffers that horrific injury, and then you you get in, and that's where the the partnership of Gary Warren and Josh Meekings is is born. Um, that partnership was, I mean, it's open for debate, isn't it? I mean, Cali Thistle fans will will. We'll debate over the last twenty six years, but in my opinion, you know your your partnership with with Gary is one of the most successful. Talk to us about your you know first of all getting in to the side and, and part of that very successful back four that the club had not just that season but going forward, and also your partnership with Gary Warren. Yeah, as you said, I I got a bit of luck in terms of you know <laughs> it was unfortunate for for Simon King at the time. Um, and it wasn't a good injury either. So, uh, of course, it's just a, a chance for me then to sort of take my take my spot and, and try and make it make it mine, basically. And that was all I was trying to do. I'd been given the opportunity to play centre-back, which I wanted to do. Um, I had been playing right-back that previous season and, as you said, making a few sub-appearances for Ravs. And then once I got in there, I just thought, I need to make this mine and work hard. And... I, I don't know what it was. I couldn't tell you, but for some reason, me and Gaz just just clicked. I mean, we just did things off of each other naturally. It, it happened straight away almost. And I knew that he was very aggressive in the air, perhaps, you know, overly aggressive. And 
I could cover him and that that made it that bit easier we, we just sort of knew exactly what each other's traits were what we were what we what we were both good at and the things that we weren't so good at so we always knew where to be and how to help one another and obviously with his experience he helped me massively to improve I was still a kid I was still learning and you're always learning I know but I mean I was I was still growing into who I, who I wanted to be and, and the player I wanted to become so he was a massive help for me um, and you know it was just unbelievable the man the the run that we managed to to go on together, both staying injury free, which was fantastic as well. That clearly helps, and and yeah, it was just a connection that sort of hit it off straight away. And as you said, I'll, I'll leave it up to debate for for you guys with that one. But I thoroughly enjoy playing next to Gaz, and hundred percent, he's been you know the best player to play alongside in terms of myself for for partners, and it, it shows with with the performances and with the the achievements that we had together. Gary would go on to become captain of uh, of Cali Thistle going forward uh, a few years' time, right enough. But in terms of uh, on the park and off the park, I mean, he's a tremendous character, isn't he? Um, you know, he must have been a bit of a, you know, he, uh, I suppose a bit of a dream to play alongside. But I think that you, you mentioned that the partnership kind of complemented each other. Um, Gary, Gary was a, a real warrior. You had, you know, the pace to get about as well. So it was a really kind of uh, complementary partnership. Oh, I, I, you know, I love Gaz to bits. He's, I still speak to him now. We've kept in touch ever since. And you know, he's just, as you've said, he's a great, great guy. He's so funny, brilliant for the dressing room, and a true professional. Um, he would run through a brick wall for his teammates, and that was what sort of drove you on that that made you want to be like that as well um I perhaps didn't have the same sort of tenacity in terms of what he did but it made you want to fight and win and, and do things properly and correctly and he set an example for the dressing room as well it's like I said uh, Richie was a fantastic captain um he set examples and he had high standards and if people were dipping below that he would let you know and then I think Gaz sort of took that sort of role from him and he must have learned a lot from Richie, I'd imagine, um, in that little period. Because, and I, I don't think there would be many, many better to learn from. Because I honestly can't speak highly enough of Richie in terms of captaincy and how he he managed to address the the dressing room. And yeah, Gaz is just a great character. I've had plenty, plenty of good memories with him. And like I said, it's someone that I keep in contact with now, and I I want to I want to continue to do that as well. Yeah, he's a really, really good guy. That season. Um, I spoke to Antonio Reguero a few weeks ago and Antonio was a relative newcomer to oh, not just the, the side but also the country um, but when you look at that season and probably from your own point of view as well because you know football wise you've had a, a debut season at the club and the, the side finished as I say 10th the year before the following season you're now considered a, a first team regular football wise I mean that must have been just amazing because you keep a clean sheet. You're part of a defensive unit that keeps a clean sheet. And not only Ibrox, but Celtic Park, there's big derby wins, um, a, a nearly semi-final as well. There were some big moments that season. What are your memories of of that um, season 2012-13? Um, one of them would have to be, I'm sure we won in the quarterfinals, Rangers 3-0 away. Um that was massive to go to Ibrox. Uh, 
and win that. I'm sure it was, wasn't it? Was that the right season? Yeah, in, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. In the quarterfinal, yeah. yeah. Rangers, uh, Ibrox 3-0 away. And I know that Rangers were going through their period, but still to be in a place with an atmosphere like that and, and do what we did and just roll your sleeves up and go out there and put on a performance like that was just incredible. Um it's it's one of the it's a funny thing, do you know, because I obviously remember that game, but then we go to the the semi-final against Hearts and I get sort of a blank with my memory about that one. I it's it's something I think that because of the one that happened we'll obviously go on to speak about it, I'd imagine the yes. year later, it's it's sort of like you didn't get there or you you don't remember that you got there, but we we did have some success in that season as well, as you've said. And it was obviously massive for me to become a regular. Um, I played a lot of games and that was what you want to be doing at that age. You want to be playing football and you want to be enjoying it. And when you're doing as well as we were at the time with, you know, a club that you would potentially say is punching well above their weight, it's it's really enjoyable and it made life that much of it easier, especially, as I said, being away from my family. And that that in the end, you know, Inverness, I, I absolutely love Inverness as a place. And obviously it comes from the football and, and what that brought to me. But in terms of itself, I, I, I've always said this and I said it from the very beginning once I got settled in, Inverness as a place, it reminded me of home because where I'm from is quite quiet in itself. Um, I don't live, you know, my parents never lived in the city or in a town, a massive town. And although Inverness is a city, you've obviously got the outskirts. And I just think that people that you get on with your business and they, you know, appreciate what you do. And it's really, really nice way of living up there. So, um, yeah, it was, it was easy for me. And I, I just feel like we had a lot of success and it was building and building and what Terry and Morris were doing with, with players and bringing them in and, and Steve, you know, it was just sort of everyone was gelling and there was a big togetherness. Everybody's always said that about being up the road. You had to be together. You had to do things. And when you had people in charge at the beginning, like, like Richie and then Gaz taking over afterwards, they made things happen in the dressing room. They made boys come to places and boys wanted to do that together. And I think that's what built everything. And it all stemmed from that togetherness. Terry Butcher leaves the following season. Um, and we've spoken about Terry obviously making you so welcome, well, taking you up to Inverness, signing you, but also making you feel welcome and giving you that opportunity to become a first-team regular. He leaves in the November season 13-14. Uh, what was your, uh, well, how gutted were you to see Terry leave? I was, I was absolutely gutted. And, and not just not just Terry, with Morris as well. Um, I just felt that they had given me that opportunity to go and express myself. They'd always shown faith in me. There was, there was games where, you know, I'd, you know, I'd have knocks or whatever. And as a kid, you think, Oh, do I play? Do I not play? And then he'd be, he'd take me and he'd say, look, just don't worry about anything. You know, and he sometimes he'd, he'd literally sit me down and just say, a half fit you is better than not having you out there at all. And that just sort of made you want, you know, he just said, just, just give me what you've got, fight for me. And that's all I can ask sort of thing. And he, he as I said, his man management was brilliant. Um, and Morris, like I said, he sort of kept himself to himself, but they just both worked off each other really well. And I think that that's what, that's what helped the dressing room too. You know, it was, it was really a massive amount of respect for them too. Um, and they had earned that. And I think that that's what we were all fighting for. We all wanted the same thing. We all wanted to do well. And the group of players that they had brought in, as you said earlier on, all sort of came together at the same time. So 
it was like a building project and when them two said that announced that they were going to leave it was it was really really difficult for for the players i think to get through that period and just think of that uncertainty thankfully it didn't it didn't harm anybody on and the club too much in the end but um yeah i mean it was a decision that they had to make for their careers and it was something that was at the time very difficult Apart from staying in his house the, the day you signed, what's your kind of abiding memory of of your time working under Terry Butcher? Like I said, he's just a, a massive character and somebody that was bringing lots of energy. And so it, it was it was almost like he was the one that was leading you all, and you all, you'd all just the, the whole dressing would fight for him, and that was what he was doing. And he was just a, a man of loads of people I had a lot of respect for. And yeah, it was just brilliant to work under him. I mean, in terms of memories, there's so many. There's there's a, there's occasions where, like I said, I'm, the thing is, I don't want to go like, repeating what other boys have said because I have listened to a few. But, it's, you know, the, with, the, with the cases of when he would sort of lose his, lose his rag and, and end up slamming the door that's like a, a spring door so it doesn't, doesn't slam, it just sort of slowly shuts and... You know the the temperament that he had when he was putting holes in walls and stuff, but it was all passion, and that was like that was my biggest thing with him. Yes, you know, some people don't like that sort of thing, but I didn't mind it. I I found that you know that's that's passion for me, and there is ways around it. And there's like you know there's a lot of people nowadays that they're trying to take a different approach, and that's you know completely fine. But for me, it, it didn't bother me one bit because you all knew what he wanted and that was just for us to do well and there was one thing that he would do and that was always back his players and that you know no matter what was said inside the walls inside the four walls albeit sometimes I know that you could hear it on the outside it was it was like on the outside if you went to the press he was protecting his players he was protecting his players every single time if, if something was happening with a debate you know he would always stick up for his players and that's 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 a credit to him and that showed the respect i think that not only we had for him but that he had for his players that he had brought to the club as well now terry leaves and john hughes uh, comes in uh, a couple of weeks later and, and often i think maybe it goes unnoticed as well i mean okay the the, the club reached the league cup final which we're going to talk about in a, in a moment in time but terry butcher actually kind of signed off by getting the club to the semi finals uh, with that quarter-final win over Dundee United just shortly before he departed the, the football club. But John Hughes comes in and uh, life under Yogi uh, really goes up a notch uh, in the League Cup semi-final because, well, I mean, I've, 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 um, I've already said this, it's one of the craziest games I've, I've been at. Uh, and that's me as, as a jambo who was working for Cali this at the time. Now, I'm interested to, to hear your side of the story because... Well, I've spoken to the, the two goal scorers and they've talked about their kind of memories of that. And I've also spoken to the, the man who stroked away the winning penalty, Ross Draper, of course, as well. But yourself and Gary Warren were sent off uh, that <laughs> afternoon as well. That, I mean, well, Carl Tremarco tells a story about the Scottish Cup final when he was sent off and and felt just, uh, he, he was sick because he, he thought he'd kind of been responsible for a, a big moment in the, the, the Scottish Cup final, but in the League Cup semi-final, yourself and Gary must have been in there kind of just pulling your hair out and wondering what the hell was going on out there. Yeah, I, honestly, I just couldn't believe it at this stage. Um, you know, Gaz, 
Kaz makes a foul on the edge of the box and I see the red card go up and I just stand there and I'm sure I just put my hands on my head and I just thought, oh no, like what's just happened? And like like you've just already said about me and Gaz having that partnership and togetherness and mm-hmm. playing alongside each other the whole time, I just thought, oh, what, like what's going to happen now? Everything's going to have to be shuffled about. And not only did that happen, Hamill then steps up and the, the free kick gets deflected in the bottom corner. So you're thinking that's just insult to insult to injury. And it just, it, it absolutely just blew my mind what was going to happen after that. And you're just thinking it's going to be a real fight now. And then as you said later on, I make a decision. I've stepped in with the ball. I can remember it like it's like it was yesterday. I, I stepped in with the ball. Someone's sort of towed it off me and then their players nicked it past me. And I knew that, I didn't know who was behind me, basically, um, but I knew that I was far enough in their half or what I thought was far enough in their half to think, right, just make a cynical foul, trip him up and I'll get a yellow card and just sort of go back and, and sort of get myself back in position. Obviously, is it John Beaton? Was he the referee? Oh, I'm sure it was him. Anyway, he, he goes into his pocket, he pulls out the red card. Now, I, I actually remember myself, I was... It wasn't laughing. I was just sort of like, I, I did have a lot. I just thought, I cannot believe that you just sent me off for that. And it just, that that feeling was, I mean, in that moment, I, I just thought, oh no. Like it was just, I couldn't believe the decision for one. And then secondly, I knew that Gaz had already gone and I was on my way. I've obviously gone into the dressing room. Gaz has <laughs> gone mental already, I think. And he by that time, he was watching the game. Um, and... It was just, John Dock came in as well. I just sort of sat there with my head in my hands and I was thinking, I just could not believe. There was there was a TV through in the other room mm-hmm. um, and I didn't even want to go through and watch it. I just thought, I can't. I, I've just let, like as Carlo said with himself in the final, I've let everybody down here. I've let the team down because not only has Gaz already gone, now I'm gone. And it's just made everything, like we're we're out basically, we're done, we're finished. Um, thankfully the boys on the pitch didn't think that, um, that was my biggest thing. You know, when you're not out there, you can't help, you can't affect anything. So I've gone, got myself sort of sat there in the end. I have, I pulled myself together, gone through and I've sat watching and watching and you're just thinking, come on, like, just, just hold on. And the boys were fighting and fighting. And then obviously Nick Ross pops up and (laughs) scores that, that magical goal. And, um, I was just, then there was a change in my belief. Me and Gaz are in that room, the tiny little room with a TV in there. And we're just jumping around going mental, just saying, like, come on, like, absolutely going wild. Um, knowing full well that there's still extra time to play, but we just knew. And you just get an inkling, like, no, we've we've got a chance now. And the boys were, were fighting like mad. They obviously go on. And, yeah, like you said, the rest is history. J- Drapes puts in the pen at the end to win it. And... um do you know what? There's another funny story to that. I was uh, John John Doc's in there with us two at the end because um, we're watching the pens and they're going in. We're celebrating, and then obviously John Doc says to me, "Right, you two, you've got to stay in here. You have to stay. You can't go on the pitch." The stewards just said you're not allowed on the pitch after the game. And um, Gaz went, "Nah, I'm I'm going. I don't I don't care. I don't care what he says. If we if we win this, I'm going. I'm 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 out there." And it's actually a video. And you've seen, have you seen it? He's, he's absolutely sprinting over to the boys on that winning penalty. I actually, John Dot, I was going to go. John Dot grabbed me and he said, look, 
you've got a chance of being this could be rescinded. Do not like you can't go, you can't risk it. And to this day, I still feel like I should have just gone. I should have just ran out there. And what would have been after that? You know, I don't think that they would have done anything. I think they still would have rescinded it. But yeah, what a feeling. And we're in this tiny little box room jumping up and down like a pair of idiots. And he just sprints out, Gaz just barges the door open once Drapes finishes that and he's gone. And that was him. And I just thought, oh, I listened to John Doc. Like I said, maybe that's me. Like Gaz was that bit older. I was still a bit, you know, younger at that point, just listening to what someone had told me. But yeah, I, I regret that a little bit because that, I, I was the only one not in that big bundle at the end. That's what I regret. <laughs> right in front of the away fans at that end. And uh, it was honestly unbelievable. What what an occasion. And like I said, yeah, from going from that moment of thinking that's us done, that change and that turnaround. And like I said, it's it's such a strange feeling, the mentality you have, knowing that you've only got nine men still out there. But when Nick puts that ball in, you think that's, you know, this is our this is our time. We've, we, we can do this. The boys are going to do it. And then, like I said, they did. And, after that, it was it was brilliant, and that's why we love football because of that kind of roller coaster of emotions. And and actually, well, you, you mentioned that there, of course, um, your red carded, your your ban for the final in effect, but there's an appeal process goes in as well. Now, unfortunately, Gary never made the League Cup final. The, the appeals process because it was that will he won't he type thing. Did that kind of take the the gloss off of reaching your you know, your first major senior final? Do you know what? I always sort of had a bit of hope that in this circumstance that it would be rescinded. I watched that tackle over and over and over again. I made I must have made myself sick watching it because every time you watch it, you think, oh, like, what have you done? Like, even though we had gone through, we'd done the job, Obviously, on a personal, this is what I feel for Gaz. I really, really feel for Gaz. I'd played literally nearly every minute with him, getting to these places, getting to these finals, the two finals that we got to, and the two of them we got to, he couldn't play. And I just feel that's just, it's criminal. For what he gave to us as a team, to us as a club at the time, It honestly, I, I just, that's... I feel so, so much for him in terms of what happened with him. Um as you said, thankfully with mine, it did eventually get rescinded. I wouldn't say it took the gloss off. It just made me think like it was there. It was always there in the back of my mind. I still enjoyed it. We still enjoyed it. That's the thing with Gaz as well. You know, this just showed it showed him to a man like he he was he was still celebrating. He was absolutely delighted. It didn't matter what had happened and what had gone on and the fact that he was missing the final. It it, it just showed what sort of a person he was and how much he would fight for his team and. I just sort of thought I've, I've got to be like that as well. And um, you, you look to these guys, these are, he was experienced, he was an experienced pro, the way that he was handling it. Of course, I was gutted. And there was, I suppose you're right in terms of there was a little bit of thing there that I was thinking, oh, will I, won't I be in the final? But I, I always had that little thing hoping that I had kept faith that there would be a turnaround. And I knew that the club were going to appeal it as soon as, basically, as soon as the game was done because of the conversation that I'd already had with John Doc, you know, he was like adamant that they'll appeal that they'll, you know, you, you, you can't run out there, listen to the steward in case the referee, whatever. So yeah, it's um, my biggest thing. Like I said, is, is about Gaz and, and the fact that he's missed two of the finals that we got to, because it's just criminal. It's just not nice. And um, like I said, for him, he's such a team player that he, he acted the same way as he would if he was playing. 
Highland Football Weekly is proud to support local charity Mikey's Line, a charity based in Inverness covering the whole of the Highlands. Set up in 2015 after a number of suicides in the area. People struggle on a daily basis with a multitude of emotional and mental health difficulties, yet only a fraction of people are able to talk about it. And Mikey's Line are here to help. They run two services, a crisis centre with appointments and drop-ins available in Inverness City Centre, but their main service is a text-based support service, which includes SMS, text messages, Facebook Messenger, web chat and Twitter. If you're feeling like you need to talk to someone about your mental health, then do so today. Text 07786 20 77 55. That's 07786 20 77 55. They're also available online, mikeysline.co.uk. They're also on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. Remember, it's okay not to be okay. Jock's Talking Balls is the new podcast where four football fans debate the biggest talking points in football history with some hilarious results. Diana Ross scores that penalty. There's an argument for the greatest goal of all time because she breaks the goal. She literally breaks the goal. Each week there's a different topic where the four of us have to come to a complete agreement on a final top five. Okay, let's buckle up. It's going to be a long night. Tipso's nodding, Aldi's nodding. I'd put a cross through them yet. Oh, Ross isn't happy. He's not happy. And that's where our real opinions come to the fore. They're just a, a skid mark on, on Highland football. I just hate them, they're just a shambles of a club And when comparing the two, I just find Undine mm-hmm. deeply unpleasant Sit back and reminisce as the debate takes all sorts of turns It's the craziest, the most amazing goal celebration that we'll never see If it makes these two boys <laughs> wet the knickers the way it is now, then it has to be good The back of that stand like has an asbestos warning <laughs> I mean, come on, Jesus. The Jocks Talking Balls podcast, a must-listen for all football fans Find us on Spotify and other podcast platforms now Yeah, that would be worth listening to, I would love to hear that Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at Highland Weekly. On Instagram, it's at Highland Football Weekly. And on Facebook, it's HFW Podcast. But for now, let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, and I think that's the the mark of the man because we're going to talk about the Scottish Cup final in a few moments' time. But, I mean, you know, I mean, that semi-final performance from Gary Warren was heroic as well. I mean, it was... As I mentioned on earlier on, he's a he's a real warrior, and you know it's a a real shame that he didn't manage to appear in, in just one of the finals. Now that final against Aberdeen, the, the club lose, and of course, bigger things happen the following season. But I want to talk to you about the Scottish Cup because you that season at fourteen fifteen, you start adding goals to your game because you <laughs> four goals. For for Cali Thistle that season, you're first for the club come against Aberdeen. Now, technically, that equaliser you scored against St Mirren in the fourth round uh, in Paisley probably helped the club en route to that Scottish Cup triumph because had it not been for your second half equaliser, then 2015 would would have never have happened. So by you adding goals to your game and, and being so prolific that season, then we can talk about the Scottish Cup. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I always looked, and again, you're looking up to people and you're looking at what you can improve on. And I was watching and I was thinking, I don't 
you know, to be fair, at the beginning, I'll give myself a bit of slack. I cut myself a bit of slack with with, um, with Terry. He sort of kept me back on the halfway line with with Shinny. Um, he said that you two are quick. You know, if we get counterattacked on, so we had big boys. We had Owen, Owen Tudor Jones, Drapes, Gaz, Richie, and he didn't feel the need for me to go in there. He sort of kept me back. So once I got that opportunity to start going forward and attacking corners, I thought oh, this is where I need to really improve because I just haven't done that. I watched Gaz score goals and, you know, he was, like you've said, he's a warrior and some of the headed goals that he scored were phenomenal. Um, and the way he attacked the ball, I just tried to watch him and learn from it and thankfully a couple of times, like you've said, it popped up and it worked and um, that one, yeah, it was, I remember it was ricocheting all around the box and then it just fell to me and I just I hit it really clean and as you said, it, it, it forced a replay and I think we absolutely battered them when we took them to our place, if I remember. I'm sure we did. We we took them back home. Yeah, so we, you know, gave us a chance and then, like you said, after that, what 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 comes after that is absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, it's it's a big, it's something that you don't really think about too much I don't really remember that that cup uh, and the trophy with with me scoring the equaliser at St Mirren but as you say it did play a, a vital part in that so yeah it's, that's obviously quite a nice thing um, but for me that season in general was by far the best of my career in terms of personally I know as a team we were you know the best that we'd be in as well but for for me personally on a personal I only missed one game that season Um and that was due to, well, as you've said about the Scottish Cup semi-final, and we'll go and speak to it about it probably. Um, Yogi rested me in the one after that and you know, he was protecting me and he said, I want you to rest and I'm protecting you because of you know, what happened in the semi-final. So, yeah, it, it was massive for me and a, a really fantastic and successful season. Now, well, we will talk about that semi-final, of course, because it, it was a pivotal moment in the season, but... But actually, your equaliser at St Mirren had a big part to play in the Scottish Cup run. And also credit to Danny Devine because his goal against Wraith in the quarters um, set up the semi-final appearance as well. So the centre-halves had a, a big uh, part to play in the, in the Scottish Cup run. Now, the Scottish Cup semi-final is, of course, I mean, again, another incredible game. You know, take take away you know the the controversial incident which we're just about to talk about, but I mean some fantastic moments, goals, it just had, it had everything. Now, what I'm interested to to talk to you about the the handball incident, um, and I was my when I was sitting at Hamden, I was uh, well pretty much in line with the I would probably say the penalty spot uh, of that end as well. So it was a good a good vantage point. Vantage point. I'll always remember that kind of moment. But over the last year or so, we've had football without supporters in the in the ground. And what I'm fascinated by is the kind of interactions that players have with each other. I mean, there's been so many on social media of players biting each other and managers and players, you know, having a wee nibble at each other. And you don't often hear that when there's a, a full crowd in. What I'm interested to find out about the the, the semi final scenario is obviously that moment happens. You know, the the the, the that the incident happens. What's it like for you trying to concentrate on your game? Because I'd imagine the Celtic players must have been having a wee kind of nibble all the way through that game. Yeah. Um, the first thing that Lee Griffiths did after that happened was um, 
the ball, the, the next dead ball, basically, where there's a situation where the game sort of pauses, he come next to me. You you handballed that, didn't you? And I just said, well, hit my arm, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't know much about it, but it did. It was it was handball, yeah. And he was just absolutely raging. And then after that, I just to be honest, I just had to just get it out of my head and just think like I'm I'm still here, thankfully. Just try and do my job, concentrate on what I'm doing, and then I say that. That specific moment where it happened, it was like a standstill for me. It was literally like, I, I remember it. I put my head down, my arm goes up, it hits my arm. I obviously know that it hits my arm and I'm just like looking around for the ball. Where's the ball gone? And that was literally my biggest concern. Where is it gone? Where is it landed in case it dropped to anybody? And obviously I'm thinking, did it? it's just all these things that go through your head that you'd think would take a, you know a couple of minutes to process happened in the space of a second, but it just slowed completely down for me. Just everything just went slow motion. And then I seen the ball drop and I just remember I go to it and I sprint there and obviously Lee Griffith sprints to it as well. And I think I need to get there first and that was it. And then I just sort of play the pass up the line, I think. But um, that moment, yeah, was it was just massive. And afterwards, I knew that there was going to be conversations. I knew that there was going to be things come from it, but I was just thinking be thankful that I'm still on the pitch um, and try and do everything I can to make sure that we get through to the final. And that was that was all that went through my head really after that. And there was little bits and pieces said, like I said, as with, with Lee Griffiths and that, but there, nothing nothing out of the ordinary. They were just basically asking and I wasn't going to lie to them. It was clear as day what had happened. Um, so, yeah, for me, I just sort of said, like, did... I think I'm sure I remember him. Did you? And did it hit your arm? And I was like, yeah, because none of the boys at the time, remember we went in, um, none of them thought it hit my arm. Like they genuinely thought it was hit my face or something. I don't know what they thought it hit, but they thought it like, I think it was Tans as well, was like waving it away, like it's not hit his arm and actually believing that that was the case. And then obviously when you see it back, you're like, wow, look, like how clear as day it actually is. But I've always said the same thing about what happened and, I, I literally knew nothing about it. I've, I've put my arm up and I don't know why. It's, it's, it's almost as if like it's a balance thing. I've, I've sort of lunged. My arm's gone up. I've put my head down and I've just thought, just get myself in the way of the ball. And then, like, unfortunately, it hit my arm. But fortunately, I got away with it. So it's obviously a big, big talking point. But for me, there was, a, like you've said already, a lot happened in that game, like big, big moments. Um, that was clearly one of them. But I don't want to take away from our performance because I still think that we produced some really good stuff right. on that day. You know, Celtic fans might have a, a moan about that incident, the sending off, et cetera, et cetera. But actually that kind of takes away from how fantastic a performance it was from uh, Cali Thistle, the kind of complete performance, if you like. Now, we talked about the appeals process for the, the League Cup semi-final the season before. Now, you know, you, you, you said that you had a good idea that it would be overturned. That, you know, the couple of weeks leading up to the final, because as soon as the final whistle went, I mean, everyone was in, you know, everyone from Cali Thistle anyway in dreamland, you know, and and, and that's when the, the planning and the excitement started, but, but not for you because you had that kind of appeals process. But one thing I wanted to, to talk to you about as well, because... I mean, I think the most notifications I've ever had on Twitter is maybe seven. Your your social media, your phone must have blown up. And and, and, I, and 
kind of negative way as well because I'm 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 assuming that you know it wasn't all kind of nice things coming your way as well. How how difficult was that? Because the, the, I'm assuming there was a, a bit of abuse headed your way. I can tell you now that there was probably eighty percent abuse and twenty percent that was obviously the Inverness fans saying like you know we're through. It's brilliant. Um, what a save. All these sort of little, like, they're using it as banter. And obviously, it means a lot to the Celtic fans. I take nothing away from that. But some of the things that I received on social media, and this is still the thing to this day, and I know that there's a lot of things going on with it now where they're trying to <laughs> ban certain things and, and sort it out. But I had, you know, there was some death threats. There was messages about my family um, from, you know, so-called Celtic fans. And the things like that, they're hard. You know, I was, you know, I'm just a, a man trying to do what I'm trying to do, obviously playing football and, you know, it's an incident that's happened. Yes, I can completely understand some people's opinions saying you're a cheat and all this and to be called a cheat, is it hurts in itself. I know that I didn't cheat. It was a, it purely was an accident. Um, it happened. It was a decision that wasn't a decision that I have to make. It's the referees and the linesmen, you know, their decision to, to spot that and, um, it was it was more the things to do with my family and like the, the things towards me that were were hurtful because um, I just think that that goes below the belt. You know, people can have opinions on what you are as a footballer, who you are as a footballer, and what they think of your performance and things like that. That's our job, and I completely accept that. But when it goes to the levels of speaking about your family, speaking about you know death, well, like I said, death threats as such, it's that's when it goes too far um, and. That period was difficult. I went into training on the Monday. Um, uh, didn't think anything of it, obviously, because nothing had been said at this point. I'd done my post-match interviews with the press. Uh, even them sort of comments. That, I mean, people would listen to this podcast if they were Celtic fans, for instance, and say that I'm lying, call me a liar, say that it wasn't true and I had, I am a cheat. And that's fine. Like I can, I'm, a, I'm, I'm past it now where I you just accept that I'm never going to change everybody's opinion on what happened. Um, but in that moment, there was obviously a lot of things going through my mind. It was difficult. And then we're training on the Monday and, and Yogi takes me to the side and he says, like, this, is, this has happened. Uh, Celtic have put in, like, a thing, a statement to the, the referees or some form of board about they want to know what, how they missed it basically and how this has happened. And then obviously the compliance officer got involved and he took it to a level where then, as you know, they wanted to take it to Hamden and speak to a tribunal and basically see if they wanted to ban me or not for the final. And through that period, I was like, like, this is just mental. I'd obviously gone through that thing, as you said, the, the season before, Mm-hmm. slightly easier but this one did this one ripped me apart this whole process I was just like wow like how can this happen like I've I've not been sent off if you get sent off fine you accept the punishment you know had we got had I got sent off for that and the boys had gone on to win you accept it you miss the next game that's that's completely different but what they were trying to do obviously look back on it and say this should have happened why hasn't it happened and you should ban him now. I just thought, how can they, I've never seen that in football before. And to be fair, as much as I said about the, the abuse that I got from the Celtic fans afterward, football in itself got behind me in that instance. They, 
the whole like there was clubs saying about it there was coaches from other clubs saying about it you can't do this it's going to open a can of worms you cannot do this it's just not right it's it's the completely wrong thing to do with football and if you do this then you have to do it every single time and boys the, the boy deserves to play in the final and I got a lot of support in that oh, one, one thing I can say obviously is the Inverness fans supported me the whole way through it as well and as did as did the manager and as did the coaching staff and the players um, so I had the right people around me but it did, didn't, didn't make it easier um, it was still very difficult because it's just a situation you don't really want to be in, I guess, and you don't expect to be in. And there was a lot of uh, confusion. That was the problem at the time and, and the uncertainty. I think the thing that angered me the most, and it's not just because I'm not a fan of, of Celtic, was, you know, listen, the, the amount of incidents and, and things that have gone on in games where referees have missed in the favour of them, you know, and, and, and other clubs haven't released statements you know, saying the referee should, you know, do X, Y, and Z. It's just, it just, it was, it was bizarre. Now, I know that it was obviously a, a big moment and a big game, but I mean, just the, 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 the overhyped too much and, and, and that had a, a negative impact on, on, on you as a result. It was almost like a kind of, um, a witch hunt against yourself and, and, and also to a, well, a, the same extent, Stevie McLean as well. Now, the story has a happy ending because you, you, you go through that tribunal process and you, um, you're you cleared to play in the final, uh, which, as we, we know, uh, has a very, very happy ending. Uh, that final was, was just another uh, terrific moment in the club's history. In terms of your own achievement, um, you know, we've spoken there, joining the club in 2011, four years on, and you're a, you're a Scottish Cup winner. Talk to you about how that achievement, you know, um, how that how much that means to you and also you've mentioned I remember your, your family were at the game as well you know you're obviously you've talked a lot about your family that must have been a, a massive moment for them as well yeah they were immensely proud they they came up um, they obviously knew what had happened um, with getting to there and what I'd gone through kind of thing um, and it made it that much sweeter when we did win it I just thought wow like we've, we've done it and this is you know, no one can take it away from me. No one can take it away from any of us now. And we'd, we'd achieved it. And by far the best moment I've had in my career and probably the best moment I'll ever have in my career. You know, um, I wouldn't ever write anything off, but, you know, it was massive for me. And especially with that bunch of players and that that sort of, the whole thing just, like I say, it made my, my time up there worthwhile in terms of like, I'd gone up there as a as a 19 year old boy at the beginning fighting relegation to then going on and becoming more successful and gradually getting better and then yeah just unbelievable and as I said it was my best season in my career but fantastic achievement and you know mum and dad were there they come down the stairs at Hamden and I seen them and I ran over to them and yeah, they just both gave me a massive hug and just like just t- tried to take it all in because it was just massive. And I just remember Dad saying to me like, "You've done it, son. Like you've you've done, you've lived your dream, sort of thing." Because and he was absolutely spot on. You know, I've <laughs> massive memories from that. I've got big frames and pictures and and obviously the medal and there's there's bits everywhere. You know, we see the 
the Cali the Cali page refreshes things, and you, when you see it come back up, you get goosebumps. It's just an incredible time in my career, and yeah, one that I will be forever grateful that I was able to get to that final and, and play in it. Yeah, it was a an incredible moment in the club's history, and and rightly so, celebrated every time the the anniversary comes round as well. In fact, um, it's one of these pictures that always gets brought up but I always have it on my phone and I think my wife took it actually um, and there's a picture of myself my friend Craig who was stadium announcer at the time and you leaving the Cali Stadium at maybe about you you might not remember this one anyway but but six o'clock in the morning you, you've got your tie around your head you've got your medal proudly you know hanging around your neck as well I mean it, it was an incredible uh, incredible day incredible night and I'm sure you know uh, well, the following days as well but but those are the the kind of memories that you'll you'll treasure forever. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It was <laughs> the whole thing, like the the bus journey back. I know that the boys have spoke about it before. <laughs> just incredible, just experiences that you never ever thought you would witness. And um, yeah, it was like <laughs> like you said, six in the morning, rolling out of out of the stadium, and it was just you're up next day nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, whatever it was to, to get on the bus and open top bus and go through the city centre and loads and loads of fans there that, you know, just wouldn't have even, like I said, when I was a boy going up there, 19, getting the crowds that we were getting, you just wouldn't ever vision what, what would happen later on in, you know, four or five years time. It was incredible. And as you said, a moment that I will never, ever forget I won't forget any of it. You know, it was all a building process up to that point, I think. And, you know, the season before we went through the heartache with, with the Aberdeen one. Um, and I think that it just set us up nicely for, for that season in particular. And phenomenal achievement with a phenomenal manager and one that I highly, highly respect and appreciate that I was able to have the time of working under because I learned so much from him. And, yeah, just absolutely brilliant. And and there's them sort of moments, like I said, I, I, as a place, I love Inverness. So it's it's just one of their, it just adds to the list of, of me, you know, and that place. Yeah, you rightly mentioned Yogi there. We've kind of talked about him uh, fleetingly and, 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 you know, weaving our way through. He, he leaves the, the season after. And I wanted to, you've just kind of touched on it there. I mean, you're obviously delighted to, you know, have that opportunity to work under him. Um, he's a an infectious character uh, off the park, on the park, very focused, um, you know, very determined and, and and works really hard. What's it like working under him being a, a centre-half? Because he was a, a former centre-half himself. I always kind of imagine that if a, a manager used to play in that position, that's a position he might focus on now. I know that you like to, oh, we all know he likes to play attacking, passing, free-flowing football, but did he have any, you know, special instructions for yourself working, sorry, himself being at centre-half to trade? This is the thing, you know, I, I, I obviously, he's a bit before me and I don't know much about him as a player, but I was told that he was sort of no-nonsense and aggressive and like a warrior, basically, and, yeah. and just sort of, defended like that and um, he obviously went to Celtic I think and he spoke about going to Celtic and the way that they played and it just made him sort of readdress what he thought and the, the just he saw what they were doing and thought you know 
this is this is the way football should be, sort of thing. And his philosophy that he brought in, um, I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with Terry Butcher's or Morris's way of playing, um, because we managed to get results the way that we played with them as well. But it was completely different, as you know, and it was a completely different way of training, a completely different way of coaching. And he done everything with the football and you just knew exactly what your job was, Not no matter what position you were in. I know that you've said, obviously, he was a centre-half himself by trade and was having that connection, but he clearly knew a lot about defending and help you in aspects like that. But it was more, as you've said, the attacking phase and, and the way that he wanted you to play out from the back. And he was so adamant on you playing like that. If you didn't, you wouldn't play. It was as simple as that. He wanted to play that way. And I think that the way that he coached everybody made everyone buy into it because gradually he drip-fed us in that first sort of second half of the season that he came in, just sort of slowly put in the ideas. He didn't want to change too much. And then he said to us about going away, he said, all I can ask from you guys, he said, is make sure that you're in the weight that I've given you and you'll have the best pre-season you've ever had. And we come back that pre-season and we're all expecting, you know, we've had Terry and Morris for the last four, four years, five years. And he comes in and day one, there was balls out. And just straight away out with the balls. Yes, there was running involved, but the majority of the stuff was with the footballs. And it was something that we'd never, ever done before. And I think that as a footballer, you don't want to just run. I know that you do it for fitness and you do it to get better. And, you know, there's reasons that you do it. But ultimately, you want to be playing football. And he integrated it into our training and and. Like I said, every single player knew their jobs and knew what they should be doing and where they should be. And that was why it clicked so much because, you know, it was just one of them things where if something wasn't right, you knew why and you knew how to change it and players could correct it on the pitch because he taught us that. And that was just one of the things that made him special was his coaching and the way that he was on the training pitch. He was so enthusiastic. He'd come in, he'd get the place bouncing. Uh Kel was fantastic as well. And obviously we had at the beginning, we had Russ and then it was Chipper. Mm-hmm. And they all just, whatever Yogi was doing, they would do, you know, and all together, it was always everybody together doing the same things, fighting for the same things. And everybody knew their roles and their jobs. And that was, I think, why we had so much success doing it because he was that thorough with what he done and how he spoke to us and, like I said, just a phenomenal coach and a lot of respect for him. And I'm I'm delighted that he's now, uh, <laughs> albeit he's across the road, but I'm delighted he's back in work again because someone like him should not be out of football because he's too clever and he's, you know, a, a top-notch coach and deserves that opportunity. Yeah, of course, he's he's back in the game and, and back at Ross County and, and uh, we hope that he can uh, manage to, to keep them up as well. Now, he leaves, Richie Foran comes in in the, the summer of 2016, 16-17 your last season with Cali Thistle in it. And it kind of, well, I'm sure it ends for you in, in a kind of way that I know you won't, uh, didn't want it to end. Um, it ended, you played your last game for the club on Hogmanay 2016. Um, you were out through injury for the second part of that season and it's a you know the horrible topic of of relegation. You know you spoke about kind of battling relegation in your first season with the club, and 
and the club do get relegated that season, that must have been torture for yourself because, you know, not only are you not playing, but you're having to watch from the from the stands and and see the the way that the season unfolded. Yeah, like it, it really it hurt. It did hurt, and you know, still to this day, I don't like the way that I had to leave the club. Um, it made me feel a bit sort of just there was. I just, it just gives me a sour taste because I feel like I've left them on downturns. If you're not like you've they've, they've, the boys have obviously fought fight fighting the whole season they've been fighting the whole season I got injured in, in January as you said and I could not play a part in that whole second period and I just thought just watching it dwindle away felt so sorry for Richie and you know that's it is my biggest regret is the way that I left the club and the way that you know I cannot or wasn't able to help them get back up basically um uh, I just it was just a disaster from from the start I think it was I don't really know what happened, but you know, I, I've already spoke so highly about Richie and what he was and how he was as a captain. Um, but for some reason, it just didn't work as a manager. And you know, he tried and tried. He brought Morris in to try and help, and it was just—I don't really understand what happened. But it—it was—it was very difficult. And as you said, when you're sitting in the stands, I was just trying my hardest to get back, and I was having problems with my knee. My knee kept—I. I'd go running. I'd think I'm close to coming back. And then all of a sudden my knee would swell up again and I'd be back to square one and I'd, they'd be like, right, it's, it's clearly not right yet. But I was thinking, I just want to get out there. But I knew that, you know, if I go out there not right, then I'm also doing the team a disservice anyway because I'm not my 100% or I'm not even close to being 100% myself. So it was very difficult. And it's like I said, it's a time that I'm absolutely gutted with in terms of that at Inverness. Um, I spoke to Richie later on in that season and he said that they wouldn't be able to give me a new contract um, because of the relegation, because of what had happened with my injury and stuff. And um, yeah, I was, I was gutted. Um, it was, it was just difficult. It really was. Um, and it's a period that, you know, I'd, I'd love to make right um, because it's, it's not sat well with me the way that it ended. I, I didn't. Um, I always thought it was a pre-contract you had with Dundee. I didn't realise that it was um, that you were out of contract and and, and weren't weren't offered uh, terms for the for the following season. I didn't realise that. No, yeah, there was there was obviously communications about how the club were going to have to make cuts, um, and Richie just took it upon himself to sort of say to me like, "It's it's a situation that I can't really help you with in terms of we're not going to be able to offer." you know, the, the, the ways that you're on and that was it really. And because of my injury that had happened that season, um, it, it kind of left me in a position where I, I didn't really have a, an option. Um, they hadn't offered anything. Uh, you know, they could have offered something and it could have been less and I could have stayed, but not, nothing, nothing got sorted. And I don't know, you know, whether that's me partly to blame, maybe I should have spoke up and said, look, I want to stay. And like, the thing is I did want to stay. It was just a case of there wasn't that opportunity there. You can't ask for something that's not there. So yeah, that's how it ended. And I got myself, you know, I was still injured. Even when the season finished, I was still injured. I wasn't back. Um, so I wasn't training. So they just sort of thought, well, maybe I'd sort of had a tough time of injury and I wasn't right. So they didn't want to take a risk. And if that was the case, then I completely understand and accept it. So 
you know, I've had a lot of injuries since then, unfortunately. That's something that I absolutely hate. I really, really do hate it because prior to that, I'd played a lot of games and I'd been successful. And then, yeah, just sort of since then it stemmed like my injury history and it's got a little bit bigger and bigger. And like I said, I'm just uh, gutted how it all ended. Yeah, it's probably the biggest thing for me. And like I said, if there was ever an opportunity to put it right, I'd be delighted to. You you leave Cali Thistle that summer and you, you signed for Dundee. Uh, and up until last year, you were a, a Dundee player. Um, again, you know, you've you've kind of talked about there. You had you know had a couple of uh, difficult injuries to get over as well, but you you had you know some time in that Dundee side as well. Played under the likes of Neil McCann, uh, Jim McIntyre, and James McPake as well. How do you how do you look back and and kind of sum up your your time at Dens Park? Um, really, really up and down. Um, obviously Neil McCann. He this was what happened. I I came back down the road for the period. Um. I was seeing my surgeon still that Inverness had got me in touch with uh, and helped me and paid for and everything, uh, looked after me really well. So that's, I'd take nothing away from Inverness for that. They did give me all the care that I needed and the aftercare. And I um, I carried on seeing him and I said, I, I, need, I want to get back playing. I haven't got a club at the moment. And then uh, one day I was driving to the shopping centre with my friends and then this random number come up in my car and it was Neil McCann. And he just said, Hi Josh, how are you? It's Neil McCann, and then it just happened from there. He said, "Look, we've got a good physio here. Um, we'd like to give you the opportunity to come up, and we'll put you up. and And if you like it, and if you get fit, there'll be a contract at the end of it, sort of thing." So he gave me that opportunity. I was obviously grateful at the time because I had nothing um, in terms of I hadn't sorted anything at that point. So yeah, I, I went up the road and. Signed after I got fit. It took me a couple of months to get fit. Signed my contract. And then I played the rest of that season. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was after that, very, very difficult for me. The second season, we did pre-season, felt really good. We were obviously, we'd started the, the league and we were in the Premier League and um Again, the same sort of thing as what happened at Inverness happened to me. Um, but this time, I had a hip problem in September and it carried on the whole way through to the end of the season. Now, this season, we got relegated as well. So not only did that happen to me at Inverness, it happened to me at Dundee, where I'm just sitting there watching the players go out, do the best and and watching my team get relegated. So it was just... Again, that frustration where I can't do anything. You just sat there feeling lost. Um, and then I, I managed to sort of recover from that. The next season I come in and um, James McPake gets put in charge. Uh, he was put in charge before the end of the season finished, sorry. Um, so I managed, we'd already been relegated, but for the last game of the season, he put me on the bench just to get me back involved again, which I really appreciated. And then my last season, obviously, was us in the championship. Uh, and I played about 25 games and then got cut short because of COVID. So it wasn't, it. you know, I, I, it was, it's not very, it's not a period of my time. I, I didn't really, I didn't thoroughly enjoy my time at Dundee like I did at Inverness. Um, mm -hmm. But that's mostly down to me not being able to fulfil what I thought I was capable of giving. And, you know, the frustrations with injury, the frustrations with 
watching us get relegated. Um, I obviously, I was honoured that I got given the captaincy. Um, and, you know, I've I've had some great captains and I tried to follow them by by using or doing some of the things that they would do. Um, but yeah, it wasn't easy for me. Um, and to be given the captaincy and then that happened to me. Um, and you're sort of captain of a side that's not even, you're not even, you know, I, I guess the kind of probably, I reckon Richie might have felt similar. Um, I know that when we went to the to the final and stuff and he was in his suit, obviously, in the stand and he'd always be there with the boys and he was always, always there trying to encourage. And that was all I was trying to do. But you kind of feel like you're, you're lost and you're not really given anything. And uh, he always said, you know, he didn't really, he didn't want a medal and didn't sort of deserve one sort of thing when, when actual fact all of us would have said yes he did because of how he was as the captain so I tried to just use that sort of experience that I'd had with him in terms of myself um, at Dundee because yeah that period of time where I was out for about eight nine months was really really difficult for me not only in football terms but mentally away from the game as well it was uh, a difficult period for me yeah so um, and yeah, as you said, or as we've said previously, I, I came home uh, in in the summer. It's just uh, just gone um, after the season got cut short because of COVID in March. But one thing I will say is I thoroughly enjoyed coming back up to Inverness to play them, even if it was you know, only a couple of times. It was certainly a, a place that, like I said, it's just a place that I really, really like. Um, my fiance's from there, all her family's from up there, and you know, it's somewhere that Potentially, I could see myself having a future. It was interesting that because, um, you know, I, I know a number of guys that, I mean, Graham Shinney, for example, uh, off the top of my head, uh, who's the other one that's kind of of it? Johnny Hayes. I mean, they've they've all they've all found love, if you like, in the Highlands. So they've always got that, uh, you know, they've married or, or, or going out with their uh, local lassies, if you like. So there's always that that connection. Yeah, so it's, like I said, it's just, you're up there. You're you're in a place where it's pretty secluded. There's no nothing else really around it. Um, as we've already spoke to, spoke about in terms of like what it brought with the dress room and the togetherness because you're up there and you do things together. The same way that obviously is with, I guess, with the families. Um, you know, I get on really well with Grace's family, and like I said, she's from there, and I'm I'm sure that potentially in the future we'll end up living living in Inverness to be honest because I can't see her wanting to stay away from her family um I told as I said earlier on I've I've sort of come down here because there was a period where I needed to get home um and for sort of personal reasons and stuff but you know I, I have I'm back playing with Wellstone now um I have an opportunity to play football that's my main thing I want to stay fit keep fit because I've clearly I've had the injuries that we've spoke about and I want to put them in the past. That's my biggest thing. I just want to sort of get back to playing, get back to being myself and, you know, enjoying football again for, for the reasons that I have done previously. And um, yeah, it's like, it's just one of them things where you don't know what the future holds, but it's uh, it's certainly something that is, uh, is in my mind that could be potentially happening in the future. Well, I'm good to, glad to hear that you're you're obviously back playing as well and and, and, and kind of getting enjoyment again, if you like, from football. And I'm going to go route one because you've signed for Wildstone and I suppose COVID's uh, robbed you of that opportunity to 
mingle with the fans and especially the the Wildstone Raider. I don't think you've you've not come across him, you have you? <laughs> no, no, I've not. I've not. I've obviously <laughs> the first thing everybody said to me when I got this, you know, when I when it came out that I was going to be resigning there. Everybody mentioned it, not whether it was family, friends, it was all oh, the Wellstone Raider. And it's the first <laughs> thing that everybody says. And it's not it's no surprise. I mean, the guy's a celebrity, so <laughs> it's just, no, it's brilliant. And uh, like you say, I haven't had a chance to mingle with any of the fans or anything like that. But hopefully, you know, for everybody's sake, not just football, you know, life in general, things get back to normal a bit, you know, sooner rather than later, because it is, it's it's getting, you know. It's tough on people. It's tough on people mentally. And um, I think that people will now appreciate what we have more than what they ever did because of this last sort of year. And that's one thing that I've obviously made sure that I'm spending a lot of time with my family. Um, as I said, a period of time where I got to spend a lot of time with Ruby. And um, yeah, it's like, it's just one of them things. So it's, it's gave us different opportunities and opened our eyes up to what can be out there. And I'm just looking forward to getting back to, or hopefully, hopefully getting back to a bit more normal life as sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, Josh, it's been uh, brilliant to, to catch up with you again and, and spend some time in your company. And it's been, well, I thank you again for, for sparing some time to talk and, and reminisce about the, 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 well, the, the quite incredible days at Cali Thistle and your, and your time up in the Highlands and, and as you said, you've still got that connection, so I'm sure you'll you'll still be a a visitor when, of course, everything kind of dies down to the Highlands. But Josh, uh, brilliant to catch up with you, and uh, and thanks for your time, buddy. I appreciate it, Audie. Thanks for having me on.